0: It is that time again. It's Tavern Voices. My name is Kevin King and joined with me, as always, is the Wilmington-based talk radio phenom, Tyler Crawley.
1: I like that. I like the phenom. Makes me sound young, so I appreciate that.
0: Hey, you know, I I was just trying to do something different this week. And being that I actually figured out how to operate my microphone this week, it doesn't sound like I'm in an, an elevator so I'm kind of excited about that.
1: I kind of like that though. It makes me sound so much better. So even if what I'm saying makes no sense, I still just sound better and win the argument by default. So I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of the, the new crystal clear
0: Kevin. Well, I I guess you'll just have to try harder. To not sound dumb.
1: <laughs> uh, easier said than done, my friend. Easier said than done. But speaking of dumb, we got the midterms coming up here pretty soon. And that's all anyone once once Labor Day's over, that's all we're gonna be talking about. Uh, and apparently, well, things are getting a little what's the word I'd be saying here? Things are going, we're going low. Everyone's going low. Like the old uh, uh Obama quote about when they go low, we go high. Everyone's going low because Politico is reporting that dramatized police dispatch calls of a DUI arrest, allegations of sexual harassment, court filings reviewing failed business investments. Those are just a few of the attacks that are being leveled against Democratic congressional candidates in new Republican ad campaign released in recent days. This is part of a growing effort to personalize the midterm elections and disqualify individual Democratic hopefuls early in a bid to save the Republican House majority, which is in peril if you look at some of the polls. Now, Democrats argue that this message strategy is a sign that Republicans, quote, don't have anything to run on in terms of issues where the voters are on their side. So they're going to look for smaller ball things to, tr- to try and discredit the candidates. Kevin, Democrats claimed that the GOP tax cuts were going to kill people. They literally claimed that a tax policy was going to commit murder. Is it even possible
0: to go lower than the Democrats? No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, you're right. I was thinking about how I completely forgotten that they said that the tax cuts would would kill people. And so far, I haven't seen any dead people. Um, net neutrality has also not shut down the internet yet, which is which is a good thing for especially for us. You know. Yes, um, we appreciate that. Yeah, I, um, I I do have a question, though. You know, I was reading through this article and I mean, some of this stuff you should be running ads against. I mean, that's the political season. You dig the dirt up on the candidate and you run attack ads. It's it's as American as apple pie. But I didn't know like, the like the, the guy, Bryce, who's running in Wisconsin. He had nine arrests. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> at, 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 I mean, you know, it, when you run for office, things are going to come out. I understand, you know, maybe you drove off a bridge and no one cares and they elect you to the Senate for 35 years. It happens. And kill someone. And kill someone, correct. But, I mean, getting arrested nine times isn't exactly a a slip up in your past. He said what I did 20 years ago. Um, You apparently did a lot of things 20 years ago. Um, So, you know, in this digital age, you and I have talked about this now that everything's recorded. Every tweet, video. I mean, we see this with uh, athletes now. There's the the Major League Baseball player who's had to apologize for tweets from years ago in his teens. And, um, you know, with, with everything following you around these days, are we just going to see people kind of ignore things like this? I mean, do you think attack ads will stop being effective when people go, well, yeah, everybody has done something stupid and we're just going to ignore that now? Well, I mean, Donald Trump, Pretty much proved you could do it. (laughs) I've never seen anyone
1: who has more Oppo research on him than Donald Trump. Who's like, I mean, the comment—just you could just take one category, like comments that he's just made that were like kind of creepy about his own daughter, and that would that would derail most candidates. But then it's that business dealings, candidate—you know—comments he's made about other races. I mean, the guy's platform was like anti-immigrant for the most part, and some would say, oh no, just. Legal immigrants? Well, not really, because he kind of makes the same comments too. And you know, it right or wrong, it worked for him. But he's proved that you can just say, "No, I don't care. I'm not. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to say I'm sorry for who I am." And it worked for him. Now it doesn't work for everybody. Uh, in fact, it doesn't seem to work for really anybody but Donald Trump. Because anyone that tries to run the same way just doesn't seem very successful. Uh, But the other thing I want to point out about the Bryce guy, you know what his handle is on Twitter? It's Iron Stash. (laughs) And yeah, because he got a mustache and he's like a construction worker. And I love that everyone was pointing out that he's like a cartoon character version of what Democrats think like the working class is. Like I mean they're like oh man look at this guy the guy's got a hard hat and a mustache and oh man I bet he's got like you know drunk driving arrest oh he does oh that's great like that's exactly what middle class america is like no that's not what middle class america is and he's just like he's such a like a caricature of like a construction worker that it just goes to show you the democrats really have no idea about this the rust belt And the working class that Trump was clearly able to speak to and was able to win over. And the Democrats were like, yeah, we just need to get a guy with a mustache who likes to wear a hard hat and has a drinking problem. Like, that's the guy that we're going to go with because that's the middle class. And it's like, that's so offensive.
0: Like, I'm more offended by that than I am at the DUI. Well, you know, they always said that George Bush was the president you wanted to have a beer with. Apparently, this is going to be the congressman you want to have a beer and drive with. Right. Yeah,
1: no, he does, yeah, I know that, that you're, you are you got to make sure you're the DD right, when no, you get yeah. in the car. Like, uh, Congressman, give me your keys. Uh, I think you've had a little too much to drink there. Uh, but I, and another thing, though, is that I love how it's it's like, oh, that was ten years ago. Well, I mean, people dredge things up from Trump's past. I mean, when Bush Bush, they got in trouble. He didn't even get arrested, or he, or he didn't get convicted. He just got arrested for drunk driving like forty years ago when he was running for president. And so this. You know, there, there's there seems to be like this, this there's no standard. And so when it's your guy, oh, that was way too long ago. Why are you worried about that? But when it's the other guy, nothing can go back far enough. You can go like back previous. I mean, people were criticizing Trump for his grandparents that came over here from Germany. And or was it Germany? I can't remember which European country it was. And that's why everyone kept j- joking that his real name was Drumpf. And so they're, they're like clowning on a name he doesn't even have anymore. Like his, his, like, his ancestor's last name. So, I mean, if you're going to tell me that 20 years ago isn't long enough, then you certainly can't go after ancestors, and yet they did that against Trump. So, you know, I all bets are off. Anything goes when it comes to politics.
0: No, no, you're absolutely right. And um – you, you, were, you were talking about criticizing Trump, and I've found that sometimes I have to go all the way back to something he said last week to criticize him. <laughs> I mean, it, sometimes you really have to just dig stuff up. But I did want to switch to a little bit of international news, and I know just now you are getting confused about the country of Germany, so I want you to stick with me. Because we're going to hop over to Venezuela. I don't know if you have uh, kept up with this, but apparently in an effort to curb their out-of-control inflation, uh, President Maduro of Venezuela says that the country is going to launch a new currency backed by a cryptocurrency. So the problem is the Venezuelan government itself has called this particular cryptocurrency, which happens to be based on oil, it's called Petro. They call it a scam. I mean, I guess that's if you don't consider all cryptocurrencies a scam. This comes on the back of the recent crash of the Turkish lira, where they are contemplating going with maybe a gold or silver backed currency uh, to help stabilize that uh, you know, particular uh, form of currency there in Turkey. So Tyler, I have two questions for you. Number one, do you think democratic socialism will be the first socialism to not destroy an economic system? And two... Just to be safe, should the U.S. dollar be backed by a new Trump cryptocurrency called the MAGA coin? Oh, I love that idea. It's got it got, it's because it would be gold because Trump's like a
1: huge gold fan. And so it would put us back on the gold standard. So I love the idea of gold coins going back on. I mean, what, what are we going to do with all those uh, North Korea summit coins that they minted? So we got to do something. We'll just gold plate them? and that can be part of the uh, coins that we attach our currency to. No, I'll tell you, cryptocurrency is one of the most bizarre things out there. I mean, good luck trying to figure it all out. Some people believe, you know, I had George Gilder on my uh, radio show about a month ago. He had a new book out called The End of Google. And he talked, her life after Google, I believe it's called. And he's a huge fan of Bitcoin. I mean, I had him on like two or three years ago before this Bitcoin craze took over. And he was talking about how amazing cryptocurrencies are. And just for those who don't know, George Gilder is probably the most quoted economist during the Reagan administration. Uh, he wrote a bunch of books. I think it was called, um, oh, what was the name? Uh, I can't remember now. Something like Wealth in America or something along those lines. And so I mean, he's a longtime economist, um, knows what he's talking about, but he thinks cryptocurrencies are the future. But I, I've seen other economists and they're like, no, nah, cryptocurrencies are are uh, are just a complete scam. And I'll tell you, it's funny. So I got sick uh, at the end of last year and in the beginning of this year. And I basically ran out of things to watch on Netflix. And so I ended up watching a Bitcoin uh, or cryptocurrency documentary. And what was funny is that by the end of the documentary, everyone they were following around was in jail <laughs> because all these uh, <laughs> I've stock seen exchanges that. had been set up and people were using them to launder money because there was no verification and it was just nuts. And basically like everybody went to jail in the documentary. It was kind of crazy. And I don't know enough about it to be able to say if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I do know enough about Nicolas Maduro to know that, yeah, it's probably a scam. I mean, this guy... Uh, I saw recently is going. He just hiked wages by, I think, 6,000%, which uh, he also devalued the currency by 96%, which the projection last week was there was going to be a million percent inflation in Venezuela this year. And they've now upped that number since these moves by Nicolas Maduro. On top of it, you got President Erdogan in Turkey who believes that raising interest rates is evil. Like it's against, he believes it's against the, uh, Muslim religion. He thinks it goes against Islam it, to raise interest rates because of debt. Like debt's apparently a, a big problem. So he's actually, even though they're seeing like I think 7 to 8% growth in that country, which w- at that point you have to start raising interest rates to keep inflation from happening. And he's actually saying, no, we're going to go the other way and lower interest rates because that's actually going to lower inflation, even though that goes against all economics that we've ever heard of. So, I mean, these guys are just, I mean, they're just idiots. I mean, they don't know anything about it. And unfortunately, they have complete control of these countries. And so, yes, they are going, or no, I should say, the, these they are going to go bankrupt. They're going to destroy their economies because they have no idea what they're doing. And that's why you need a, that's what well, one want. You probably don't even need a central bank. But if you have one, it needs to be independent. And they control both. And they're going to run, run those countries into the ground. Uh, so, yes, in order for us to avoid that, I think we need the MAGA gold coin. To tie our currency to,
0: I mean, I think this is just another great idea that you've heard here first. <laughs> I mean, we're we're, we're groundbreaking. Uh, you know who else doesn't believe in raising interest rates? Donald Trump. He that's was true. on well, interviews by Reuters. It, it slows just the economy.
1: The it slows the economy,
0: and, yeah, that's, and so he's, he's afraid it's going to um, negate all of his great work.
1: And I mean, he's not entirely wrong, but the problem is, is that you know you don't want inflation. And, and now you can. We don't. We don't have time to get into all of it, but you know, they're Larry Kudlow, uh, Stephen Moore, and I think Art Laffer wrote a pretty good piece at the earlier earlier this year talking about how, uh, as long as the growth in the economy comes from the production side, supply side economics, you won't see the rampant inflation that usually takes place with uh, stimulus on the demand side. So when you just you know basically cheap money, so people can borrow money for the purposes of buying things. Uh, which is, you know, that's demand side economics, very Keynesian, that causes inflation. But if it's all on the demand side, it actually does the opposite and actually decreases prices. So there's a debate about that. But considering the fact that Jerome Powell wants to do it, who Trump appointed and everyone else seems a lot of the Fed guys are very Keynesian, even though they say it's a new kinds of Keynesian, they do believe in it. I think you do have to raise interest rates. I mean, they're, they're way too low in this country. So I think you got to do it.
0: They have to. They that they, they have to go back to some sort of reasonable rate because they were dumped too low for far too long yeah. to, to keep things afloat. But yeah, I mean, if, if
1: if everything was allowed to just float and everything was market oriented, our rates would be so much higher. And you're even seeing that. The fact that a lot of, you know, private lending, you know, rates are moving up. They're all kind of tied to the Fed's funds rate. But you can see that there's a demand to the point where the interest rates are gonna go up. But Speaking of central planning, I'm glad we're talking about this because there's a big issue here in North Carolina. Joseph Wall, who is the executive director of the North Carolina Association of ABC Boards, wrote an op-ed for the News and Observer arguing that we can't privatize liquor sales. Now, he's making this argument because of all the craziness that we've seen happen in the ABC system with the audit that came out from the state auditor's office showing just egregious lack of oversight in our ABC system. But so this guy has a vested interest. He's the executive director of the North Carolina Association of ABC boards, but he writes the most garbage op-ed I've ever seen. So one, he argues we can't privatize because our current ABC system has remained essentially unchanged for many years because it is a control system worth preservation Two, local ABC boards provide a significant amount of revenue, not only to the state's general fund, but also to local governments and three, privatization would result in a substantial increase in the number of liquor, uh, or uh, I guess there's a number of liquor stores, which would result in more sales and more consumption, but at what cost to society, he argues. So, Kevin, Joseph Wall has apparently solved all the world's problems, and I'm not sure he's realized that. All we have to do is enact prohibition to end alcoholism and allow the state to seize the means of productions to enrich us all. I can't believe no one's tried either of those things before.
0: Well, I'm sorry. Was there a question in there? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying, can you believe that no one has tried those?
1: No one's ever tried prohibition or seizing no. the means of production. It's amazing.
0: No, I can't. But you know what's going to happen is California is probably now going to take the ABC store model and use it for everything. <laughs> right? We're just going to have government-controlled convenience stores where you have to show your ID to buy a, uh, a big gulp, right?
1: Well, here's that, what that's I, York, think. York, I think though, are we doing that in New York too with the big gulps? Yeah. Well, the, what, it's the same difference,
0: right? <laughs> it's slightly different accents. That's, that's really the only thing that's, that's different between um, New York and uh, and California, really more New York city. I think the, the upstate area is not quite as communistic as, that's as true. the city. Is. That's true. Um, but it, yeah, first of all, you're right. The The reasoning in this article is awful. In fact, I got to the end of it and I said, who is arguing this? And then I read who, who wrote it. Yeah. And I said, yeah. well, at least I understand the one person in the entire state who doesn't think privatizing <laughs> is a good idea is the guy in charge of the crooked, corrupt, messed up system. And I mean, just – I really don't understand why we can't look at how successful other states are in turning this over. I mean, he quotes the amount of tax money that comes in from that, but you would still have tax on the alcohol anyway. I mean, that wouldn't change if you privatized it. Yeah. What would change is the huge profit margin on the liquor that they get to make because they are a monopoly. And that's the, I think that that's the core of it is that – why should a government entity be in the business of a private good?
1: Well, it doesn't make any sense. Um, I mean, it it just it, his reasoning is just is flawed on so many levels. Uh, you know, he's sort of making this Bernie Sanders. You know, Bernie Sanders one time gave a famous interview on CNBC in which he said, "Do we really need like ten deodorant companies?" Because you know, his argument is is they're all making the same product. And so really what, what's happening is we're seeing a lack of efficiency. And so if we only had one deodorant company, then you wouldn't have all that excess uh, production. And so we'd have one deodorant company and then we'd all buy that and it would be insanely cheaper. It's like, yeah, we thought that's how it worked until we tried it and then it didn't work that way. And so this idea that like, oh, the duplicate of services creates an inefficiency that makes co- you know products cost more, has never been borne out in any real-world example ever. In fact, it's the competition that causes the lowering of prices. But I also just love that this guy thinks there's like this untapped market, you know, these alcoholics-in-waiting who would be alcoholics if they could just find a way to get to the ABC store, but they can't because it's so far away. And man, if they built a store close to these people's houses – it would be over. Our society would turn into like Back to the Future 2 and Biff, you know, got the almanac and there'd be like biker gangs and and uh, casinos all over the place. It's like, does this guy know anything about alcoholism? <laughs> like, alcoholics will find a way to get liquor. They will break into people's houses to get liquor. This guy thinks that like the inconvenient location of stores is stopping alcoholism and that, man, if we stop that, it would be it would be pandemonium. It's just this guy, like, where is this guy living? And I also want to know if – so if you're going to get a guy like this to write a uh, op-ed about privatizing ABC's ABC system, I'm hoping that they're going to find some meth dealers to make uh, – and heroin dealers to make arguments for why heroin should or should not be legalized from their perspective. Because, I mean, I can't find anyone worse to write an op-ed than this guy. I mean, this guy's – career and job is on the line i mean like what do you think he's gonna write yeah i really hope i get fired so please help me out guys i mean just it's it, it's just it's such a bad person to get to write an op-ed i mean it's it's it well, I, just, mean, I, I get having biased op-eds i get that but i mean this guy's livelihood is tied into this system of course he's gonna say not to privatize it
0: well, just think about the hypocrisy of saying how well this does for the state as a revenue generator and then saying we shouldn't have as much of it <laughs> that in and of itself is the most confusing argument of the entire piece. Either embrace it and say, we, we put these in convenient locations, we sell a lot, we dump a lot of it back in and it raises a bunch of revenue, but then don't say that if we had more of it, it would be a bad thing. It's it's like they've they, they've worked out this perfect formula of the the quotient of ABC store to person ratio, and and one way on either side of the scale will just tip things into um, into chaos, into chaos. So anyway, speaking of well written articles, Tyler, I have to pop over to this piece that I found from the Associated Press today, and I have to call it probably one of the most unbiased pieces of reporting that I've ever read by the Associated Press. And it's involving the new North Carolina state employee living wage and how they are championing, championing it for stabilizing the lowest of state employees. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, the article bashes them for making this a politically expedient decision. The article also asks, why not raise the entire state's minimum wage? Along with their astute economic analysis, they bring up great points about how the state would be imposing an economic policy on private businesses and the impact that rising wages would have on employment, like low skilled and entry level positions. (laughs) No, just kidding. They didn't do that either. They just said how great it would be for everyone if the North Carolina General Assembly just did the right thing. Tyler, Are the majority of people economically illiterate or are more than 50% just bad at math? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I do have to say
1: I I, I very much like the article. and and, uh, I I, I think it's probably the same one that that you had, but I I love the way that it started off just bashing North Carolina. Like North Carolina had a bathroom bill and North Carolina hates uh, poor people, but they did do this. (laughs) So they like start off with a backhanded compliment. And then what I love about it is they're like, why does North Carolina think that government employees should make $15 an hour, but other employees shouldn't. And I'm like, because they're in control of their salary. Like it'd be like arguing why did Walmart increase their, their uh, salary cost, but didn't demand that target do it as well. Cause they have no business telling target what to do. The government is in control of the government and the private sector is the private sector. And then my favorite part was how they pointed out that, and this was the argument made by the General Assembly, is they had to raise wages because they can't hold on to employees anymore because employees are jumping to the private sector. So what does that tell me? That they're paying more than the minimum wage because that's why they can't keep them there. So they had to raise wages to at least match the private sector. So the private, the private sector has already already raised the wages uh, that's why people are jumping to the private sector. So they answered their own question. Why didn't they – because the private, the private sector has already done that. Um, and the people that they're talking about with the, the, the minimum wage in the private sector, those aren't government employees anyway. I mean they're not the same jobs. What they're talking about are people in semi-skilled work who would be making more than minimum wage. I mean I've always argued if you're making more than minimum wage after a year at a job, you should go get another job because you're clearly not – doing what you're supposed to be doing. I've worked many minimum wage jobs in my life, and most after six months, they gave me a raise. A year maximum. And so these arguments about people working 10, you know, or like five years making the same wage, it's like, you suck at your job, or you gotta get a new one. But there's something wrong there. And the reality is that most people in the private sector uh, aren't making the minimum wage. That's why government raised the wage, to
0: match what the private sector is doing. So we don't need to demand that they're doing it. They're already doing it. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I did a public policy paper. Uh, it's 10 years now, right? It's been a while since we were in school, but, yeah. Um, and I did mine entirely on minimum wage. So I, I really dove into minimum wage, looked up the stats from, you know, Bureau of Labor and Statistics and looked through trends. And what I found was actually surprising to me because you hear this narrative about how minimum wage and how important it is and, and how many people are surviving on such low wages? And what the actual numbers are is uh, that 3% of wage earners make minimum wage. Just 3%. Half of those are tipped wages. So that's bellmen, waiters, waitresses, um, whatever the, the gender neutral term of a, of a wait person is. And so you don't actually don't know what they're making you know, they might be only making around minimum wage or they might be making double or triple minimum wage by the time they, you know, they take home money. We just don't know. Of the one and a half percent that are on minimum wage, half of those have a pay increase by the first six months, like you just said. So really when you boil it down, you're talking about 0.75% of wage earners are at minimum wage for longer than six months. You're talking about such a small percentage, but when people talk about it, what they're they're not taking into account how how all of these other people will be impacted and how the economy will be impacted if you say that that little Timmy is going to be the bus bus boy at the restaurant this summer and he's got to make15 dollars an hour well they're not gonna hire two timmys they're gonna hire one they can't afford to hire two. Cause they only have so much money or they're going to have to raise the price of their products, um, which is going to greatly, greatly impact everyone, not just 0.75% of the population.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, the, that's the big thing people don't realize is like I said, if you're working somewhere over a year and you haven't gotten a minimum wage increase, uh, you're doing something wrong and the sort of, I don't want to say ironic, I don't know what the word would be, but. If you're trying to help those workers out, increasing minimum wage doesn't do that because those are the ones that get fired when they have to pay them more. Because there people you know, people forget the reason a job exists is not to give you a job. A job exists to provide a value to the company. And the reality is you have to output more than their input, than, than you're getting paid. So you, if you're getting paid $10 an hour, you better be at least outputting $11 or at least be breaking even. Uh, I mean, they want you to output more. That's, the, that's how they make money. And so, if you're only outputting eight dollars of work an hour, and they're forced to pay you twelve, they're going to fire you. And so, if you're a bad employee, and let's say you're a bad employee only outputting eight dollars an hour, and they're paying you nine, okay, fine, so they're losing a dollar on you. But you get, if you got to pay that person twelve, that's it. You're gone. That person's done. And so, the people that get fired. Uh, When they raise the minimum wage are the people who need the minimum wage hike because the people who are good workers usually get raises and so they're not making the minimum wage. And so the irony of this entire debate is the very people that we're trying to help, the sort of uh, the worker who has been making minimum wage for years is the one that's going to get canned the minute they raise the minimum wage. So it, it doesn't even help the intended person that you're supposed to be helping.
0: No, I agree. And let me ask you uh, one other question on this subject, uh, a little bit different direction than we were we were going just now. But do you actually think that raising that doing this whole statewide living wage thing is a good thing? Because as we talked about, like minimum wages aren't necessarily good for the economy, especially now you're talking about the public sector who has to pay all of these salaries out of taxes and fees. Um, and, And so should should the public sector be competing against the private sector? Because that's what the, the excuse always is, whether you're at a college campus or you're talking about a government job and they say, well, we have to hire these IT people at huge salaries. I mean, you, you brought up on several of these podcasts about all of the town managers making six figures that Kevin Williamson talks about. You know, yeah. sh- Should we be competing or should we take a serious look and say, well, maybe public sector shouldn't pay as well, or maybe we need to cut back some of the positions within the public sector?
1: Well, I think if we're getting good employees, I don't think it's a bad thing. The problem is, is that we tend to pay people who are awful at their job an insane amount of money. And so not only are we paying someone who's inefficient and inept at their job, but then we're paying them a ridiculous salary. I mean, if we're paying someone that's actually good, and a lot of times that'll happen, like let's say someone makes a lot of money in the private sector, and then they go, hey, now I'm going to like, you know, work in the, and that, that, that was the way government was kind of supposed to be. Is that's why I've always kind of liked it as someone who's successful says, you know what, I don't need the money anymore. Now I can go into public service and I'll run for office or whatever. Uh, I've always liked that idea. That's the person that you want. Um, I don't want to be paying these people a ridiculous amount of money, but in some cases like tech and other things, it does make sense. But the other thing that we need to make sure that we're doing is it needs to be an apples to apples comparison. Far too often, we compare salary to salary. Most private sector companies do not have a pension and do not have insane, sanely good healthcare. The government does. They have amazing health care and amazing retirement package. And that always gets left out, especially the teacher uh, salary debate. Oh, no. And so if, if we're going to make the comparison, then I'm all for it. I think there should be uh, I think there should be parity. Uh, if we're getting good people who are going to make us efficient. And let's say we can hire one person instead of two. and We've got to pay them a little bit more. Hey, we end up winning at the end of the day on that one. But they got to be good people. And then two we got to make sure that we're, we're, we're counting all compensation because if you leave out retirement and you leave out uh, uh, health benefits, we're, that's thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars a year that is being left on the table that we're not counting and it's not fair.
0: No, I, I think that you completely nailed it. So I'm glad we're in agreement on that because I would hate to, to fight you on it because <laughs> I saw better this week, which means I would win by default.
1: I don't think you sound better. You sound almost as good as me. If you had as good a voice as me, we would sound
0: almost the same, but well, your, your mic sounds okay. You know, you you have a face for radio, and I don't have a <laughs> voice for radio, so we'll call it even. Um, I do have some homework for you, though, this week. Okay. I just watched – there's there's a, a new – or I don't know how new it is, but it popped up on my Netflix feed, and it's called Explained, and they have these little mini episodes to, to s- so – as they say just explain different elements whether they be science or history or just how things are so i was flipping through to see if there was anything interesting there and i saw this episode on explaining how the stock market works i was like oh this this should be pretty interesting so i watched the little 20 minute documentary on how the stock market works and it was it was like economics explained by ocasio cortez it was the most biased, <laughs> awful – I mean, it basically just said corporations are evil and the stock market is a scam to prop up CEOs or something. I mean, it was awful. So I want you to watch it. Take 20 minutes this week and uh, come back next week and and tell me what you thought.
1: I can do that. I can do that. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. So I will, I will uh, take your homework assignment and – I will actually, unlike high school or college, I'll actually, I'll actually, uh, <laughs> You'll actually
0: do it. uh, do it. yeah.
1: But then you know what? If I was in high school and college and they would have been assigning me to watch Netflix documentaries, I might've done more of my homework. So uh, I think uh, we've just solved the educational problem in this country. Well, I
0: probably wouldn't have, but, but then again, we probably don't want to watching this documentary if it's bad as you say it is. So maybe we'll just stick to the textbooks. It's, it's awful. So we'll be back next week with a full report and, uh, we'll do it all over again, my friend. Sounds good. See ya.